So we're, we are in Daniel chapter 12. And we're going to try to wrap up this chapter today and be done with the book of Daniel today. And so it says in, in verse, we covered part of this last week. But, but uh, let, me, let me start from verse 1. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who was found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words, seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. So last time we spoke very specifically about the resurrection and how scientifically that could take place. So if you missed that, that's all online now. But we talked about information versus matter and, 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 uh, and how this occurs. There's this interesting, in, in uh, the end of verse 1 is where we're going to focus a lot today, though, is this, this, everyone who is found written in the book of life will be rescued. But before we do that, let's look at verse 3. It talks about how those who have insight in the end times, this is specifically talking about those, the, those in, the, in the end times, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. If you want to stay young, you stay active in evangelism. You stay active in sharing the gospel with people, and it will keep you young, because you keep seeing new people coming into the kingdom of God. And you will shine if you, if you lead many to righteousness. Now, we all have different gifts. We're not all evangelists, but there are ways that we share with people through our lives. Now, let's pick it up in verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on, the, on that bank of the river. And one said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? And I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and half a time. And as soon as they finished shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. So here Daniel sees one angelic figure on on the far bank, one angelic figure on the bank that he's on. This is at the Tigris River. Then he sees a man dressed in linen hovering above the waters. And one, we're not sure if it was Daniel or one of these angelic ones, said, how long will this be? This, this one dressed in linen, we don't know who that was, but he lifted not just one hand, but two. Lots of examples where people would, would raise their hands and speak an oath. But here you see the, the, the solemnity of this oath that he says, where he raises actually both hands. And in his raising of both hands, you see the power of this. What he's doing is he goes forward and he says it's going to be for a time, times, and half a time. Again, underscoring that this half of the tribulation period will be three and a half years. That's what this half is going to be. It's three and a half years. He said it again. He says, Many will be purged and purified and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. He says, What's going to happen with the Jews? This is particularly speaking of the Jews in the last 
half of the tribulation, they are going to be purged, purified, and refined. This is the time that the Jews will come en masse to the Messiah. The nation of Israel will be saved in that last three and a half year period at the end, at the end times. That's when the nation will turn. There's going to be 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe. But remember, there are two tribes. There are Ephraim and Manasseh. That one tribe was split into two. So you would think that there's more, but the tribe of Dan is left out because of its absolute wickedness. So you end up with 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe, which are going to go out and evangelize the world. These are from those remaining Jews in the tribulation. And then he, then he says, uh, he, he, let's pick it up in verse 11, from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to 1,335 days. But as for you, go your way to the end, then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. So here he's, he, he's giving us another timing. You remember that we, we saw previously that it was going to be 12,000, uh, I'm sorry, 1,260 days for the three and a half years. Using the lunar calendar, the three and a half year period for the tribulation would be 1,260 days. So you've got 1,290 days. That's adding on another 30 days. Then he says, blessed is he who attains to 1,335 days. So you've got another 45 days there. So you've got a total of 75 days added beyond the three and a half years of the tribulation. During this period, we learn from the book of Revelation because I've read ahead. You read from the book of Revelation that this is the time that there will be the judgment of the Gentiles will take place. So there'll be the judgment of the Gentiles. This is spoken about in the book of Joel and Jesus spoke about it in the, in, in, in the gospel according to Matthew. That's the period and the temple will be purged. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. And that's what's happening during that 75-day period. Uh, and, and, you know, we do the best we can with prophecy. Imagine if we had lived in Old Testament times. Zechariah said that the Messiah, when he comes, he's going to come riding on a donkey. And we know that, that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. It, and it says in, in Daniel, we read that Daniel had said the Messiah is going to come riding in the clouds. That's how he's going to come to earth, riding in the clouds. Who of us would have gotten this right had we lived in the Old Testament period, seeing two different verses like this, realizing that it is one Messiah coming at two different points in time, separated by a large gap of time. You see what I mean? So we do the best that we can with the prophecies that we have. But I want to, I want to, uh, uh, and, and so Daniel just keeps asking these questions. He wants to know about this. So, for example, in verse 8, he says, As for me, I heard, but I could not understand. So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? Well, actually, the Lord already told him this. It was already revealed to him in Daniel chapter 7 that the outcome, the final outcome is Messiah is going to come and he's going to win. But Daniel wanted more details. So Daniel is just asking more questions. He's like, you know, if you're in the mood to, to tell me, you know, tell me more. And that's, that's when, he, when he said, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up to the end time. So in other words, these, were, these words weren't, weren't revealed until the book of Revelation where we got a lot more understanding of this. But now he says, Daniel, this is all you're going to get. End the book now because already chapters 1 through 9 have been written. 
chapters 10 through 12 are a single revelation. And, and the year on this, of this is 536 B.C. This is shortly before, we, so we hear nothing of Daniel after this. He's already in his mid to late 80s at this point. So he's lived a long time. He's lived over a period of about five different Babylonian kings. And he's lived through the time of Darius, who is king of the Babylonian province under the ki- King Cyrus. And he has a huge influence under King Cyrus to get the opening for the Jews to go back into the land. Uh, but now I want to I go back up and look at this, this verse that I had mentioned at the end of verse 1. It says, everyone who was found written in the book of in the book will be rescued. Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. And there's other references to this book. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly go through a lot of different scriptures here and you probably won't even be able to keep track, but you can just listen along and you can, you, you can try to keep up if you'd like. But we're going to read in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 and 15. Verse 12 and 15 in Revelation 20. And we're going to see this book again. Now listen very carefully. If you don't listen carefully, you're going to miss it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Is that singular or plural on books? Plural. Alright? So the books were opened. It might have been two. It might have been two million. The books were opened. Then another book. Singular or plural? Singular. There you go. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And then in verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So there's two sets here. You've got books, and, and, and uh, in these books, these people were judged by what was written in the books. Remember we talked about last time. Every keystroke is recorded. We know that can easily be done. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, He says, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every careless word we speak, He's So that's what he's saying. I've got recorded every keystroke in your life. Everything. You might try to delete it. I've got every keystroke. I've even got a record that you tried to delete it. I mean, I've got everything here. Every word we speak, we will render account for in the day of judgment. Good words, bad words. Good things, bad things. Everything is there. That's why there's books. There's a lot of them. There's a lot that's been recorded. But remember, it doesn't have to take up a lot of volume. You can put all, all, all the memory, all the, all the information of humankind in a, in a very small volume if you encode it in molecules. So, so uh, I mean, how he's going to encode it, I don't know, but you can put a lot in a small volume. So, then he says, there's a book that, of life, In verse 15, he says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the judgment. So there's a separate book beyond our deeds, which is the Lamb's book of life. We know that there's a difference between a verdict, guilty, and a sentence. And and the sentence depends on other things, not just the verdict. So there, there are two separate books here. So let, let's, let's think more about this. 
and look at some other verses. In Revelation 21:27 it says, "But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life." So in other words, there's going to be un, no uncleanness entering heaven. And you know what that means? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, how are we ever going to get there? He says, only those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. When he said, when Jesus said, every careless word that a man shall speaks, the man speaks, he will render account for in the day of judgment. Every deed, everything, he was speaking to his disciples. We are not going to be free from the evaluation of our life, the evaluation of our works. We're not going to be free from that. But what we want to make sure is that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That is where we see what the sentence is going to be. There are mitigating mitigating circumstances in all sorts of verdicts. And, and uh, uh, there is now a book of life in the Lamb's book of life. And it says their name was found in, written in the Lamb's book of life. So in other words, there is a searching, there is a diligence here. So, so um, let, let's look at, at, at another portion in, in, uh, in, in John. In John. John actually talks a little bit about this. In John chapter 20 it says, that you, in John chapter 20, verse 31, it says that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. He says, these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. These things have been written so that you may have life in His name. Just above that, it says that there are, Jesus did many other works than these but they haven't even been recorded. He says, but these have been recorded, meaning that what I have given you, what God presents before humankind, is sufficient for us to believe. And in our believing this, we, may, we can have life in His name. So, and then he goes on in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what he's setting up here for us is, that there is something that Jesus does by our believing in His name. By our believing in His name. It's not by works that we do that we get into heaven. So all of those books on our works are going to be insufficient. I don't care how many good works you do. doesn't matter if your good works outweigh your bad works. That's not what it is. It is insufficient because remember, nothing that's evil is going to get into heaven. So if you look in... Uh, In Romans chapter 4, starting from verse 2, it says, For Abraham was justified by, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are counted, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly. That's the key. To the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. God cares very much about our good works. In fact, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says that he has saved us to be zealous for good works. 
Every other religion, you do good works to get saved. In Christianity, in Jesus, He saves us in order to do good works. He wants us to be about good works. But it's not by those good works that we are saved. Nobody will get into heaven by trying to be good. It's going to come through Jesus Christ and belief in Him. Remember it says that that the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. You want to go by according to your works? It's going to be very, very hard. Very hard to do this. Let's look in, uh, uh, there's, there's another passage in, in uh, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus spoke about this, Matthew 11:20, Because sometimes there's this feeling that, oh, well, you know, sin is sin. There's, there's no different degree. Sin is just sin. No, there's different degrees in sin. There's small sins, there's big sins. The Bible even speaks of different degrees. Jesus speaks of different degrees and and different degrees of accountability for certain actions. He speaks about this in Matthew. He says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. So what's he saying? He's saying, you cities where I did all these great works in the Galilee, and you saw all these great works, and you didn't come, and you didn't turn, and you didn't repent, had they been done in Sidon and, 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 and in Tyre, had they been done in those cities, those people would have repented. But those cities were destroyed. Had they, had they had what you had, they would have repented. He says, therefore, in the judgment, it's going to be more tolerable for them than for you. So, in other words, in the judgment, you people from, from Chorazin, you people from Bethsaida, are undergo, under, going to undergo a stricter judgment. And that only makes sense to us who much has been given, Jesus said, much is expected. If somebody's never heard the gospel, never heard the preaching of Jesus, they are going to be judged by a standard that's different than the one to whom the gospel has been preached over and over and over again. And yet they love the darkness and chose the darkness over the light. That only makes sense. And that's what he's talking about. There's different standards here. He's saying, and you Capernaum, again, another city right there by the Galilee where Jesus spent most of his life. You, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction upon... He says, if they had seen the witness that I've given you, they never would have been destroyed. It would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. In other words, you see this difference. And that makes sense because God is a God of justice and God understands how much a person is given. So the way that He will judge us who have heard the gospel over and over and over again will be different than the man or the woman who's never heard. Or to the child that never hit, you know, one year old. They could understand these things. 
The judgment is very different because God is a God of love and justice. Look in, uh, uh, there's another passage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, And according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he says, a foundation has been laid in your life. If you are a believer, the foundation that's been laid is Jesus Christ. That's the only foundation. Now, once the foundation has been laid, once you have received Jesus in your heart, now things can be very different how you're going to build upon that. Now he's going to talk about the building upon it. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. The day will disclose it. The English Bibles put the D capitalized in day. The day, meaning the judgment day will disclose all of this because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If, that any, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. In other words, that foundation, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, that foundation is sure, your eternity is sure. Your name is in the book of life. But how you build on that foundation, what we will expose ourselves to, and I'm not judging anyone. I mean, I battle with the same things you battle with. I struggle with the same things you struggle with. If I build upon the foundation of Christ with precious stones, with gold and with silver, I am going to have something that's going to sustain in this fire. But if I build upon this salvation that I have with wood, hay and straw, it's going to burn up. Each of us has a choice how we will build upon this foundation of Christ. It will be burned up. There will be a judgment day. Some works will remain. Other works will be burned up. But we will have been saved. And some will be saved, but as of through fire. In other words, we need to be careful how we will build upon our lives. This is, this is an important thing. And then, then he goes on to say, in John we're going to start. We're going to read this classic verse from John three sixteen, and then onward. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So, in other words, it is possible to perish. It is possible to perish. Then He goes on. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, the condemnation occurs not from works, but belief in the Son of God. It is belief in His name that sustains us. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So there's another portion in, in, in John 3.19 and this judgment 
And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Do you see God has given us a free will? There is free choice here. We can choose the darkness or we can choose the light. And every day we are confronted by this. We're confronted by this in relationships. We're confronted by this if we're going to be about the Lord's work. Are we going to choose the light or are we going to choose the darkness? This is what we're confronted with. You know, you know there, there's more about this, this, this Lamb's book of life. In Revelation 13, verse 8, it says, And all who dwell on earth will worship it, meaning the beast. Everyone whose name was not, has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. So in other words, everyone whose name is not written in the book will not be saved. And some people think that this is deterministic. In other words, well, if your name's written, you're going to be saved. If your name was never written, you're not going to be saved. That would never be a just God. That some people are written and some people are not. No, it actually, we, we actually get more insight from this starting in the Old Testament about this book of life. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 30, it says, God was, uh, Moses is speaking and, and, and uh, God is clarifying things with Moses and God says this when the children of Israel had sinned. He says, you have sinned a great sin and now I will go, Moses says, I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But if you will forgive their sin, but now if you forgive if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. So Moses said, if you will not forgive these people's sin, blot my name out of the book that you have written. Blot my name out. But God says, but the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of the book. So in other words, the names were there. The names were already there. God has the ability to blot out because of the lack of acceptance of Him. That It's not deterministic. What He's determined is everybody's name is there. But how we choose the Lord will decide whether our name is going to be blotted out or not. Then He goes on in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. It says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Jesus is speaking to the church at Sardis. And he says, I'll never blot his name out. If we've accepted the Lord, he'll never blot our name out. In other words, once you've accepted the Lord, once you've received him as your Lord, that is forever good. This overcoming... He says, who is it that overcomes except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's in 1 John 5, 5. So in other words, this one who overcomes is the one whose name will not be blotted out. This book of life, everybody's name was there. But it can be blotted out if we will not receive the Son. This is what he's speaking about. He even told, he told his disciples to rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Don't rejoice because, you know, you shouldn't be rejoicing just because, because you've seen all these wonders. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. He told them in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 10, 20, he told them about this book of life that they should be rejoicing in. 
And then we're going to close with this verse because this tells us that it is not by our works, but it is by the grace of God. This is from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that it is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is not by works that we are saved. So again, let me stress, because I know we have a lot of visitors to this class who unabashedly have never received the Lord. They just think one day they might, but uh, they're just going to sit back and listen. And I appreciate your coming. I really do. But I want you to understand, this is serious business. For the Christian, what the Bible says, this is very serious. That there is salvation in Jesus Christ. And once we accept Him, accept Him, our name remains in that book of life. All of us will give an account for every word, for every keystroke we will render account for. The good and the bad, it will all be exposed. But the verdict, that's the verdict, but the sentence, the sentence is going to depend on where we are in Christ. Once we are in Christ, we will be saved. For those who are in Christ, there are different standings. There is greater reward. The Bible speaks of a greater reward. There are good works. You do lots of good works and be about good works. There is greater reward. As far as salvation, that you've got secured. But there are different levels of reward. As far as penalty, there are different levels of penalty depending on the circumstances. All of this makes sense. The names were already there. And it depends on the witness that we had. Those who were in the very towns where Jesus spent most of His time doing these great works, those folks are going to undergo a stricter judgment. To those of us who have had the blessing of having the Bible in our hands, in our pockets, and available, we'll be held to a greater standard than those throughout thousands and thousands of years who never owned a copy of the Scriptures because there were so few of them. You had to go to the synagogue and they were on scrolls. They will be held to a different standard than we will be held. All of this which witnesses to our own hearts of where justice is, is clear in the Bible. This is where justice is. There are different levels of these things because God is good and He is just. And what He tells Daniel is, you will rise again at the end of the age. Take these things and seal it up. This is what he revealed initially in Daniel, many of these things. And then he tells us more about these end times in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 without any imagery. And then in the book of Revelation, he gives us a lot more understanding that's cloaked in, in, a, in a lot of imagery as well. But you piece these things together and you can see it. That book of life that Moses knew about in the wilderness is the same book of life that's going to be opened during that, that uh, end of the age in the Messianic period. All of that is going to remain. May your name be found in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank You so much for Your Word, for the truth of it. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the Word of God. You are so good. 
And Lord, I pray for these young people. I first pray for the ones here that have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, that have never opened their hearts to the Lamb of God who has given Himself for them. Lord, I pray that You draw them to Your Son, that they would not choose evil over good, that they would not continue to wait and to think, well, maybe one day I will make that decision. Father, I pray that they would make that decision today for Jesus. And Father, I pray for these young people here who will be held to a very high standard because they've heard over and over again. Father, I pray that they would choose to walk in righteousness, choose to build upon that foundation of Jesus with gold, with silver, and with precious stones. Father, I pray that they would be building up a good allotment for the future, a good allotment that they would stack good works upon good works because they have been saved for good works. Father, I pray that you'd keep them from choosing darkness when it's presented before them, that they would choose light over darkness. Father, have mercy on these young people, but Lord, help them to realize that every careless word, every careless act, every word they will render account for in the day of judgment. Father, burn this upon our hearts. Let us walk in the fear of You, that when those books are opened, Lord, I pray that there would be many good works flowing out of the lives of these young people. And Lord, I pray that You would take their lives and so work in their lives. Lord, draw them to a place. Thank You, Lord, that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Glory be to Your name. Amen.